Hey guys, welcome to Living the Authentic Life. Today we are live at Turner's with my dear friend Sippy Karana and Amy Pierce. Amy has been a podcast guest, I think, four or five times. I keep recruiting I her. I'm getting better, but I'm not sure. <laughs> I keep recruiting her. Um, we're actually celebrating. This is our 99th podcast of Living the Authentic Life. So next week, we are celebrating 100. And sometimes it just... Um, it's just about showing up. It's just about asking your friends to come and just showing up to do the work. And you guys show up to do the work every time someone calls you. And I try to interview people that I feel like come alive, that they have found something in their life that makes them get out of bed every day, that makes them feel like their life has purpose and that their connection is different. And both of you, do that. And I want to know your why of why UNICEF. You are involved in so many organizations, but you were the former chair of the Southwest region. You are the current chair. Like, how do you commit that much time and what's your why? Well, uh, so for me, um, I like to put it this way. Um, I've been in the nonprofit sector for over a decade now. And I've been privileged to be part of many different sectors, whether it be medicine, whether it be health, whether it be the arts, um, supporting the symphony. And for me, when I got to go boots on the ground and see the work that UNICEF is doing uh, in Guinea, Africa, in areas of India, where I recently went, Nobody does it better. Should we just get rid of this? Sure, I can, I can project. Um, nobody does it better. Nobody has the respect. Nobody has the willpower. Nobody has the gumption to do what UNICEF does. So UNICEF has been around uh, for 76 years. We just celebrated our 75th anniversary. Uh, it was formed out of the United Nations after World War II and Originally, UNICEF was, stands for United Nations International Children's Emergency Fund. So we were, you know, based out of responding to emergencies, particularly when it involved children. But very quickly, the work and reach of UNICEF became so critical and so important that we are now in 190 countries. There's actually only 193 countries in the world. So we are truly a global organization. 30 of those countries are NATCOMs, national committees, such as the United States, United Kingdom, France. All of these countries come together as our NATCOMs, which are our basic fundraising hubs, uh, which raise money globally for the work that UNICEF does. And the rest of the countries are developing countries where there is a immense need for the children there. They are in dire situations where they need UNICEF. UNICEF is the only organization in most of these countries that is trusted to be there. Um, there's so many NGOs from the United States that try to go and do work in these countries. They just can't get there because we are already boots on the ground in those 190 countries. So, and one other point I really want to make that is a bit of a misconception is that we get a lot of our money from the United Nations. We get 
zero dollars from the United Nations. All of the money that we use to support our children uh, comes from donors and it comes from governments that are willing to support our work. We advocate every year with the US government. The US government is the most generous in the world in giving us funding and giving the world funding. And we're really grateful for that. Um, and so it's really amazing to see. So for all of those reasons, for me, it's a no brainer. Um, for me, helping children that are innocent, that are vulnerable, making sure that they have the rights that they deserve as children on this planet is so critical. And honestly, a big part of it for me too, is I'm a mother, I have children. And I want my children to have that same empathy. I know Catherine and I were talking about this just a second ago, where we want our children to then be even better leaders and be power of change for, for, the, for the world. So for all those reasons, UNICEF is my number one and very important for me to be involved. It'll be a lifelong journey for me and my family. Wow. What she said. <laughs> <laughs> No, I, I will confess, I well, I don't know about many of you, did you do the trick-or-treating for UNICEF when you were growing up? I'm older, older than all of you, okay. But, um, <laughs> but that's, so we've been a part of, I've known of UNICEF and been aware of it for my entire life. But when I became a mother, a mother of four, and became aware of um, how incredibly fortunate we are here, our children are educated and, you know, and protected and safe countries around the world, it's not that. And that's the least we owe our children. We always at UNICEF that they should be healthy, educated, protected, and respected. That's all. And then that gives them the opportunity to raise themselves up and truly thrive. And um, I was in an army family, so we moved all over and had the opportunity to live overseas. And the world was a big place at that time. But, but as for my children, it's getting smaller and smaller and smaller. And we've got to realize, um, and forgive me, I don't remember who said it, but if not us, who? And if not, when? If not now, when? It's got to be happening now because we've got to realize these are the leaders and the entrepreneurs and the government officials of countries that we are going to be collaborating with and working with. They might find the cure of cancer and we want them to share it with us. Um, and this is an organization that I really got behind and um, Sippy alluded to it. Um, it's always difficult when you uh, give a donation and you don't know exactly where it all goes. 85% uh, of the staff for UNICEF are overseas in these countries, in these 190 countries. They, they are there on the ground. 89 cents of every dollar you give UNICEF goes directly to our programming. That's an amazing for how large and all that we accomplish. And that's hard to find. And that just makes me feel good about not only my money, but my time. And um, I just, it, it's an organization that is moving the needle on a lot of key countries and on basic issues like clean water, sanitation, education. We're in Afghanistan. We're one of the only, only aid organizations and we're teaching girls there. So, you know, like you said, we're the experts. I want to invest in the experts and let them do what they do so well. And you've been boots on the ground. Tell them a little bit about your journey this summer. Okay, yes. So I had the privilege to go to India, three different areas, uh, to work on something that started as uh, Project Lion. I don't know if any of you have seen the movie Lion with Nicole Kidman and Dev Patel. 
Um, but that was a motivation for a UNICEF donor, that movie, because she wanted to help orphans that go through such horrific experiences um, when they're orphaned in India. And that movie was a catalyst for her to start a program um, in India to help orphans. And I could talk about, I, I've, I've, I've spoken on this topic many times um, for several hours, so I, I, I could talk about this for a long time, but I'd like to give you kind of a takeaway, uh, my takeaway from, from going on this journey. Um, what UNICEF does so well is that they could have easily gone to India, taken the money from this donor, and made some nice you know, advancements in the orphanages and institutions that, that are there. there. There's a lot of need and in, in, in improvements that can be made. But what they actually did was to take data, use that data to come up with a strategic plan. And in coming up with that plan, they actually realized that the deinstitutionalization of children is going to be the most effective way to help these children. All of us growing up used to think, oh, when I make enough money, I want to give back to India. I want to give back to Africa. I want to, I want to build an orphanage there. And actually, all of the data that has come out of major trials has shown that that type of institutionalization is actually a form of child abuse. It actually reduces the size of a child's brain by 30%. Wow. So it's critical that we actually try to deinstitutionalize all our children. So the next strategic plan for India, and now it's called LION because it's, it's not a project anymore. It's a fully successful functioning program and will be spread in, all over India now, is to actually work on deinstitutionalizing these children, um, getting them away from an orphanage situation, getting them away from a prison situation, getting them away from areas where you know they're actually not getting the love nurturing support that their brains and their bodies need um, a few ways that they're trying to tackle this is to go back to the villages that these children are from a lot of them still have kinship in these villages and uh, convince them to take the children back how they're doing that is they have such strong relationships with the governments of those cities, and the government is now subsidizing these children and their education. And so the families are so excited to take them back. It was really just the financial burden that was such a, a problem for these families. So they get to go back, they get to go back to their village, they get to go back to their school, um, and they get to thrive. And UNICEF has a lot of uh, ways to, checkpoints and security checks on making sure these children are in situations that they can thrive in. Um, so that's one way. Um, the foster care program in India is lackluster at best. And so they have been working extremely hard in strengthening that program. I got to meet with uh, two different foster care moms um, who had, had children with them for a few months, they were so excited because they were able to get children so quickly. 
Um, otherwise, through adoption, they would have to wait five years, 10 years. The child is pretty much grown by the time they're even eligible. This way, they once they apply, they get a child within pretty much two weeks, and they're able to take care of the child and develop a relationship. If they're able to prove that they're worthy parents and doing a great job and the children are thriving under their care, their adoption of that child is fast forwarded as well. So it's just a phenomenal program. Um, so just in different ways, they're trying to really work on deinstitutionalizing. De There's a five-year strategic plan um, that hopefully by 2029, 2030, uh, they would reduce the amount of institutionalized children by 30% in India, which is a huge number. That's millions of children going back to homes, loving homes, being loved and supported. So. My take home again from going on this trip was that they could be UNICEF could be very comfortable in just going and using the dollars to improve things here and there and you know get basic necessities for kids. They're actually transforming lives and going outside the box to try to make that happen using data and and getting government support and government ownership so that it works in perpetuity. So I've researched a lot about places where people live their best life, live their mm -hmm. longest life. There's just a Netflix um, series, a documentary that came out called Blue Zones with, yeah, with like Dan Buettner. And it talks about when communities surround each other and from the youth to the grandparents, to the great grandparents, that they live in unity together, that they live longer, they live healthier, they are more fulfilled, they have more of a meaning for purpose in their life. And it, this is such a dramatic change. And another big thing that Butner talks about is healthy eating, the mm -hmm. overall health habits, and I know that is a pillar for UNICEF, is health and getting health to these kids because they are so they malnourished and they surviving. just don't have healthcare. So Amy, will you share so, a little bit about that? Well, thank you, my friend. Um, it, it is really interesting. UNICEF provides 45% of all the immunizations for all the children in the world. 45% of all the children in the world are, are immunized by UNICEF. and. Um, one thing that I'm also very proud of is we were able to disseminate more than two, over two billion COVID vaccinations to the 140 poorest countries. And they just, their governments couldn't provide the COVID vaccinations. But we have got film of, you know, and of course having uh, coolers on their backs, because as you recall, it had to be uh, cold, of traipsing through mountains along villages and, and to the most, some of the most remote areas who were, were suffering with COVID. And because of that, because of the reach, we're talking about um, UNICEF being the experts, because we are there with the immunizations that allowed us to get in with the COVID immunizations, but that also allows us an opportunity to get in with nutritional training for the, mm -hmm. for the families, for the whole family. And so now you see um, you know, maternal health working with women while they're pregnant rather than after the day the child is born and the child is, is you know, suffering or not healthy. So just raising the entire standard of the, of the villages in these small remote areas has allowed us then to be able to help in other areas and get the governments to collaborate and kind of start to take ownership of their own citizens. And it's almost like train the trainer or, um, you know, we, we bring it in and then allow them to kind of uh, cater it according to their own culture. 
Um, and that is another beauty. Um, and that's one thing I just love about Houston, uh, being the international city that it is. UNICEF is for children and for women. No matter what color, shape, size, culture, religion, we are just there to ensure that, that women and children are protected and, and thrive. And again, Houston, I feel like we're very much that way in the city and we're incredibly fortunate because that's not always the case. And there are some communities that are being helped through UNICEF even within Houston. Yes, yes. Do you want me to talk about CFCI with this yes, time? Yes, please. And Sippy, let's tag team each other here. So another reason we are, I can be very proud is, is Houstonians. Houston was just recognized as the very first it's CFCI, Child Friendly Cities Initiative. We're the very first in the United States. We have over 3,000 smaller communities internationally who have made um, basically the commitment to focus on children and youth and hear them so they have a voice in policy, but also so they have green space, they have healthy, healthy education, they have healthy food, some of just the preliminary things to ensure youth can thrive. Well, you'd think that was here in the United States, but Houston was the very first one and they, it took three years. But the beautiful thing about it, again, aligning with the UNICEF model, breaking down barriers, breaking down silos within all the other various organizations and county governments, nonprofits. They worked with over 109 nonprofits and corporations to provide, for example, youth empowerment, 9,500 jobs, summer jobs last summer for wow. youth so that they can bring home a paycheck and, and save save a little money. Um, and But also park space. So often, I don't know if you have a, a, a nice thriving park in your neighborhood, you'll see it really does lift up the entire neighborhood, lifts up the streets and, um, and is a safe, again, I keep on using that word safe because um, Another thing that drew me to UNICEF was uh, just the anti-sex trafficking movement that uh -huh. all three of us are working mm -hmm. on through Crime Stoppers in mm -hmm. Houston 20. And um, the, the sex trafficking is, is, again, protecting these children internationally, but also here in Houston. What am I missing with CFCI? Uh, just, we're, we're starting to execute on the plan now, but it's all these departments, everyone's working together and collaborating. How about that? <laughs> Very rare. And we aren't using UNICEF dollars to fund right. these programs. Um, UNICEF dollars always go to the most vulnerable children globally. Uh, but what we are able to do is use our expertise and uh, take grants from, from donors and, and corporations that are, that are wanting to beautify and help our children in our communities. Um, and that's the way we're trying to use CFCI as a way of creating safe, as Amy said, safe and fun spaces for, and for children to thrive in Houston. Um, we also do a lot of work with partners. So I know a lot of nonprofits are sometimes against or just not really focused on, on partnerships, but that's actually the name of the game when it comes to UNICEF. If there's the needle. Any, yes, if, if there's any way that we can partner with another organization that's already doing something in the same vein um, or can um, be additive in the work that we're doing, we always partner with them. Um, and anytime you see a UNICEF project, you will see numerous partners that come together to make the work more substantial. So I like to point that out too, because I think well, they're the experts. Again, thing. the experts. Why why recreate the wheel? And yes. several of us here in the room were recently involved in um, a, a beautiful event for Oper Operation Smile, which works with children who have cleft palate and they do free surgeries all over the world and which enables children to eat and be healthy. And Operation Smile finds and discovers these children. UNICEF, who's in all the villages, will find children with cleft palate 
and bring them into the larger cities so Operation Smile can give them the medical procedures they need. But that's a beautiful partnership. And again, there's no reason why that can't happen, but it doesn't always happen. And it's beautiful when it does. Yes. And I think there's um, a lot of people have mixed emotions about vaccines or different thoughts in that way. But the thing I love about UNICEF is this was an opportunity to go places they could never be. And yes. this was a way to get in places and break boundaries that were built in a way to isolate people from ever connecting with a global world and seeing that. And anytime you open doors and you open conversations, there is movement for success and opportunity. Yeah. And without being this big, they couldn't do that. That's right. So I've heard these, and this is what I talked about. I said, I want to mention to people, because a lot of people say it's such a big organization. There's so much money being spent on employees. But to do the, when you say, um, 89 cents, cents of dollar. every dollar goes. And when you look at the global work that we're doing, it has to be significant. To it has impact. to be yes. able to reach and systemically yeah. change it, not just giving the man a fish. You're teaching the man to fish. We are changing the way adolescents are growing up where they're empowered to take care of themselves. They're empowered to give back to their families. There's so many mm -hmm. communities or people here in the U.S. that are sending money back home. Mm -hmm. And these kids being taken away from their families, it's changing the cycle of them being able to take care of one another. Right. The COVID example is actually a really shining example. Uh, I was actually uh, honored to be part of a, a COVID initiative called COVAX. I was on the task force where we quickly identified when the vaccine was coming out that developing developed countries like the United States and Europe, we were hoarding the vaccine like crazy. And we quickly realized that the rest of the developing world will not be able to have access to the vaccine. Uh, what was really compelling about this is that the WHO immediately reached out to who? To UNICEF, because they knew, like Amy mentioned, the two billion vaccines a year, we were already doing it. We already had cold chain in place. These were not new concepts to us. Mm -hmm. We're able to mm -hmm. get into the most remote regions of the world and vaccinate. Um, so we were able to partner with WHO. We partnered with two other organizations called Gavi and CEPI. Gavi and CEPI are big uh, on acquiring vaccines. Doesn't have to be COVID. It can be other vaccines. They're just big organizations that help you get it. So we st initially started by sequestering 1 billion syringes. That was our first goal. Uh, we, we, we have a massive uh, warehouse that's the size of, I think, 10 Walmart warehouses in Copenhagen. And we started sequestering them. We, we were able to do that. And then uh, we were able to go to the G7 summit and ask all, these, all the countries to save vaccine for us. And we got a pledge of 2 billion vaccines. And um, after that, we had the, the means, we had the supplies, we had the, the vaccine. And that's what Amy was talking about, that we were able to uh, vaccinate almost 2 billion uh, in the world with COVID-19 vaccine. But just a really amazing way yeah. to see, um, you know, the power of UNICEF, the power of people coming together for a cause and thinking, you know, a few steps ahead, because otherwise we, we would have been so far behind. And even caregivers were given COVID-19 vaccine, okay. because what we quickly realized was Clinics, that if the caregivers yeah. were sick, 
the whole system was going to shut down. Mm -hmm. um, and uh, during that time, UNICEF still kept its pledge. We still did all of our early childhood immunizations on top of doing the COVID-19 vaccine. So it was really remarkable to see uh, that that comes. So it was a really good example of. Because so many other diseases really spiked during COVID because people were did. not going to get their normal vaccines. So tell us a little bit about that. I believe, was it polio? Was it even there things have been almost eradicated? Yes, smallpox, polio, things that measles. were eradicated. Yes, measles, measles that came back. Bill Gates yeah. had put a lot of money into <laughs> eradicating um, came back because we, we weren't able to immunize our children during a small period. Um, I would strongly, strongly urge you, if you haven't yet, to watch a documentary called If You Have. Um, it was produced um, and directed by an Academy Award winning documentarian. Um, and it's, it's, an, it's a tearjerker, but it really gives you a sense of what UNICEF does. Um, it was made upon our 75th anniversary, so it gives you a bit of history on, on the 75 years of UNICEF. And then it branches off into talking about what we did during COVID. So it's a phenomenal documentary. It's only 30 minutes. My kids have watched it many times now. They love it. They're like, again, again, we want to watch it. It's, it's really compelling, really well done. Um, we'll give you a really good scope into to what we do. It's called If You Have, because yeah, so the main woman that we interviewed um, is a caregiver and a nurse in Africa. And um, her main line of, of what she says is, if you have, then you should give. So wow. that's the title. And it's, it's a remarkable documentary. So I urge it's all it's on YouTube. Very easy to find. Well, and and if we could segue, you, we'd mentioned that UNICEF originally stood for the emergency mm -hmm. fund. And now we've kind of taken out the emergency part over the years. But if you think about it in the news, whenever I, I mean, think about Libya, the in your local flood, hurricane, tornado, tsunami, tsunami, uh, you know, UNICEF is the first one there on the ground providing aid and water and and just literally that's when we are literally saving lives. But again, because we we're there all the time, we've never left. And so that's why we can take care of these continuing emergencies, natural, natural emergencies. Um, and it's kind of makes me feel good to know that someone's holding down the fort so, and they know um, and they know the local government, they know the local leaders, so they are part of the family there um, where they are. So tell them how they could get involved. What's coming up? What ways could they learn how to... Well, if you're, do, do we have kids with trick-or-treaters? We can still trick-or-treat <laughs> trick for UNICEF, and it's actually, there you go. Uh, you know what, we're doing a, a QR code. So people can go, and that way they'll get the information and they can decide if there's um, a particular interest that they have. So we're still doing the the the, um, the trick or treating, but I have these on your table. We are not going to do a gala anymore. We um, and galas are are fantastic way for an organization to to really have an opportunity to to showcase what they do. But we are going to have an interactive experience come to Houston, and it's on, in March. It'll be here for a couple of weeks, March 22nd to April 7th. But opening night, we would love for you to join us on opening night. It's going to be at the Post downtown. And, um, and as, as I said, it's an immersive experience when you go through. And the entire, what you will hear are voices of children speaking to you in their native languages from all over the world. So we are going to bring you a new art form, and, and I can't wait to bring all my children field trips, field trips for school. I mean, any, anything that you can do to help us bring kids through this so they understand 
what I said earlier, that they can do something to help. They're not, they're not, they're, there's a lot of hope out there that they can help fulfill. But the world's getting smaller, and these are their neighbors. These are their colleagues that they'll be working with in the future years. So we would love to have you come by opening night or bring your family and friends. And um, it's just, we're so excited just to have something kind of new and different. Yes. But I think it'll resonate with each one of us in this room in a different way where you should be touched, whether it's education, safety, women, children, you know, the environment. Uh, maybe you'll want to come to Africa with me or Sippy next time and help dig a water well. <laughs> so, uh, but there's just incredible opportunity. So please come. Our door's open. Do you have any parting words? Uh, no. Uh, does anyone yes, have any no questions? questions? Russ? We answered everything, is that right? <laughs> Marianne and then Laura. One of my favorite stories is, uh, one of my favorite stories is when Sippy and I were talking about 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 Sippy and I because we talk about our 75 year history, um, there's a beautiful story um, of a war in South Africa uh, that was going on, a civil war. And what UNICEF realized quickly was that those children uh, for many years weren't getting their immunizations and they were getting really concerned. And so that UNICEF actually went to the government and asked them and pleaded with them that could you please find a way for us to give these children their vaccines, these life-saving vaccines. And after some, you know, major talks, the government actually agreed. They stopped the war every year the peace for fire. a week yeah. and allowed the immunizations to, to take place wow. and then went back to war <laughs> after the immunizations <laughs> was done. But it really showed, it's a beautiful story, Marion, and it really showed um, the power of humanity. And if, you really want something and it's so important that there are ways to get it done. And that's beautifully displayed in that, in that documentary. The children well. are not political. They're, children they're are the not. Innocent. They're the so innocent. So they, they deserve, deserve the rights that they do. Yeah. Um, so Laura, I think you have, did you have a question too? Or? I, I just wanted to know how do you get more involved? Like you wanted to help really dig the well, like you're saying, what's the best avenue or the best way? To <laughs> I love it. Thank you. Right. That some of our I, I keep on calling them mission trips, Sippy, yeah. but I don't know since you've They're had program visits. Pro, program visits yes. and you've had an opportunity to go on two now. Yes. Three. Three. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So do you So how does one get involved with the program visit? Well, um, probably what you want to do is show your interest in UNICEF locally. Um, so that would come, be us. Yes, that would be us. And um, the more you are involved, the more you you know do on a on a community level, and then some national. Um, those trips are a bit few and far between, um, but there's so many ways to be involved um, in in locally and on a national level. Um, so once you're involved, it's pretty easy yeah. to have an avenue into to well, getting. And into. I'm also thinking more another. I mean, we have these educate school in a box that we provide into Ukraine. All of the children that have been displaced with war have received a school in a box so they can continue learning on their level where they are, despite the fact that, and then we connect them with families outside of Ukraine. 
but even I'm just saying some of our educational programming is a wonderful opportunity for all of us here at home to get involved. Another great way is to start a UNICEF club at your child's at school, the, uh, at, at the school. high school level. Thank you. Um, and that's been a great way for the community to come together and for the children and you to learn about all of the global issues uh, that we're addressing. Um, so that's, uh, we've been really trying to push that. Our region is not as high as some other regions in terms of um, school participation. And uh, I know service is a huge part of all school curriculums. So um, that's another big way. Well, and I know the city of Houston will be asking many of us now, um, now that we have the child-friendly city, we've been designated, um, they are going to have so many initiatives and programs for that they'll need volunteers to help make it happen. So they've got the framework and the plan, but now we need to execute it. So, and that's something you could keep in touch with us here in Houston, and we can let you know of the different, the various opportunities, and they'll want to pair up with business leaders. And um, so we've got to roll up our sleeves, and that's another great way to get involved here in Houston, if you'd like. Well, thanks guys. We have to wrap things up, but we're gonna be here to answer more questions. We'll give the way for our viewers to listen and connect with you guys, and we appreciate you tuning in. Thanks. Thank you so much. Thanks.